3: As we welcome you along to the program, John Paul is back, looking nice, relaxed, and rested after his week off. So he's here to take your calls this morning at eighteen fifty three, three three one zero three. You can text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And I can already see texts coming in, including one from John uh, to say, Patricia, could you give us an update on the weather, please? Are we to get snow during the week? Because I'm actually scared of uh, the possibility of snow. Uh, thanking you. I mean, Met Aaron are saying yes. The temperatures are are certainly going to drop this week. And it it really is going to feel quite wintry at times. It's around Wednesday that the temperatures are going to fall. So today and tomorrow, we've got kind of gloomy, cloudy sort of days. But then Wednesday morning is when the temperatures will drop. It'll be cooler. It'll be more crisp. And the that's Wednesday morning. Then Wednesday night, it could be cold enough for showers of snow but what they're saying is the showers of snow are expected on higher ground. I mean they're not predicting widespread snow all over the country so if you're, I don't know where you're living uh, John but if you're on higher ground in mountainous area there is the possibility of uh, some snow. Um, that's for Wednesday night into Thursday morning and then Thursday we'll see the cold snap begin with temperature highs of 4 to 5 uh, degrees. It'll be cold and it's, it's set to continue like that across next weekend and into the early days of of next week. So there will be some snow showers uh, John but at this stage nothing to get panicky about because I can see as you say in your text you don't like it. A lot of people you say you're scared. A lot of people don't like the thought of a big drop of snow. We'll keep an eye on it and we'll keep in contact with Metair and to see if they are predicting but as of now no. It's just more snow showers and it'll be mainly as I say on higher ground. Now the Late Late Show on Friday night to it, wasn't it just a joy to uh, behold? And that little boy from Killa, Adam King, oh my God, he absolutely stole the heart of the nations. And when he arrived out with his little homemade heart that you could very clearly say he made himself and wrote on it himself. And he's a virtual hug to everyone because obviously he needs to protect himself as well from COVID-19. He just was a joy. And there's been a huge outpouring of love and support for Adam. It's fantastic, including coming from a special message from the US space station NASA uh, to him. I mean it does, it looks like it could become a reality that little Adam will one day get to the, the US space station and we've actually reached out to Adam's dad uh, David and I'm aware that the word and his mother will want to be talking to, uh, to David across this week because everybody wants a bit of Adam, everybody wants to talk a little bit about Adam. So da- David has come back and he, he, he's promised us that he will make time available to have a chat with us because I know he, David David the Dad produced a book that I'm sure Adam was the star of. Around this time last year he wrote a book a special book where Adam is the star of the book so we'll get a chance to talk about that as well so yeah so I I certainly enjoyed the toy show and I didn't have any little kids watching it with me I imagine if you were watching with children it's probably even more exciting but I just thought it was an absolute delight and there was another little kid from Cork Jackie from Dripsy I thought he was a little legend as well I thought he was great he was playing the pool on the floor I thought he was a great little character Uh, and the the musicians and the singers and you know what talented children uh, we have and that scene with that girl from Dublin sang with the video screens behind her and the Irish children from all around the world singing Rule the World. I thought that was just that brought I have to say that brought a tear to my eye. I found that uh, quite emotional. And then the end of the show, I just thought, what a great little country we live in. In the middle of it, they launched that toy show appeal to raise money for children's uh, charities. And people continued to donate after the toy show. And again, on Saturday, I saw donations were still flowing in. And the last time I checked, I think they were at something like 6.4 million euro was raised in donations from the toy show. It's just incredible. And as Brian Tupperty said, it when they launched it, if they kind of raised half a million, they thought 500,000, wouldn't it be great to, you know, give to charities who've had it pretty tough this year, children's charities. So they said, you know, we'll do a little bit of a fundraising. and if we raise 5,000, you will be doing well. And 6.4 million, just, you know, I was tweeting about this yesterday saying what a great little country we live in. It, it really is. Long may it continue. Long may that. And it's been a tough year for so many people, but yet the generosity when, when asked to give people give. So well done if you were one of those uh, who donated. But your thoughts on the Toy Show? Was it, is it just me or was it one of the best ones? Was it because of the year that was in it? You know, was is that what it was about that we just needed to forget about COVID? And we had earlier on a couple of hours, what, well, three, three and a half hours before we had Micheál Martin come outside Leinster House and address the nation and tell us that we were moving out of level five into level three. And that gave a little bit of hope to so many people and the shops and people suddenly now delighted that they could get back to business. I know it wasn't great news for the wet pubs, even though for others, people would say that was great news because certainly a lot of our listeners last week were hoping that the wet pubs wouldn't open. were hoping that the pubs would remain closed. So that would have been received with mixed mixed feelings. But, you know, I was thinking of Michael O'Donovan, who we've spoken with on many occasions on the programme, who represents the Cork Vintners Federation and, you know, he has spoken to us about there are small, you know, in the main, the small rural pubs. Many of those won't survive if they, if you know, if they they now are not going to get a Christmas trade, they were hoping to make a few bob over Christmas, that would carry them into the new year. So we will lose a number of our small pubs and we'll, you know, we'll all Feel that, feel that loss. And if you're in a rural area where it's all you have is the little pub down the road where nine or 10 mainly men might meet and it's the only people that they meet. You know, there's a lot of people are losing out because of it. But then I know we have to look at the bigger picture. We are in the middle of a pandemic. And the government had to weigh it up and decide what was the safest, what was safest to open, and what was uh, what wasn't uh, safe to open. So, certainly, we spoke about it on Friday. It, it does look like wet pubs have been sacrificed so that restaurants uh, can open instead, and of course. A lot of the shops, the non-essential shops, will all be opening tomorrow, and I imagine a sense of excitement today as they prepare for the op- for the opening tomorrow. And it looks like the average household was set to spend around seven hundred euro in shops this month, the month of December. Tills set to ring from early in the morning until late at night. Some stores are going to open earlier and close later and the idea behind that is a bid to try to spread out the shopping days and make the shopping days longer during the pandemic because it's hoped that this will help to avoid large crowds gathering with Christmas shopping high on the agenda for many families over the coming weeks. Now despite the nation's obsession with online shopping it is expected that many customers will still be keen to engage in the real shopping experience and people like that going out and shopping for Christmas. I certainly like to to, to browse I don't know if we'll be able to do much browsing but to physically see something that I'm buying and I know you know we're looking at it online and you're trying to do your best to see but it's not the same as picking something up and feeling something and looking if if you're getting a gift for somebody and and you're looking at jewellery or something to to see it up close to see if you think the person is going to like it I think there's nothing like that uh, shopping experience so the shopping experience and shopping for Christmas this year begins proper from uh, tomorrow and public health specialists are coming out giving advice. I was reading in the Out Independent today a Dr. Emer Shelley, public health specialist. She was saying she hopes her hope is that not everyone will descend at once when the shops open their doors tomorrow morning. She's hoping that people will take advantage of the longer opening hours. She says it will be of particular assistance for people who are working Monday to Friday 9 to 5 so that they're not confined to the busier shopping times over the weekend. One of the new features of course that we will see from tomorrow on the streets of our towns and cities will be the wearing of face masks. That's the advice that we've been asked to keep them on when you're in crowded places outside. Now, it's not going to be mandatory. It's only a recommendation. But now that mask wearing certainly has become much more common in in when well, everyone is wearing them in retail settings because it is mandatory. It's expecting that most people will heed that guidance and when they're outside will wear them. And I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, maybe the last month or so, when you're out on the street, there are a lot more people wearing masks outside. But now as we're heading in, busiest time of the year for Anywhere where there's shops, there will be a lot more people out on the street. So the advice is to please leave your face mask on when you come out of the shop. Leave it on as you're walking down the street to go into the next uh, shop. Now, Dr Shelley said that shops will continue to be obliged to limit the number of customers inside at any one time. But she says if there is a situation where you find yourself in what you feel is an uncomfortably crowded situation, then she's saying the best thing you can do is get out of there. Retreat was the word she used. Leave the shop and come back at another time. Just if you're feeling a bit uncomfortable and feel that maybe the shopkeeper, the management have left too many uh, people in. Now, take comfort from this though, but from the start of the pandemic, there's only been 25 clusters of COVID-19 that have been directly associated with retail outlets, which is really significant when you bear in mind that supermarkets and all of the other essential shops, they never closed since the pandemic started back in March. All of the supermarkets have remained and the essential shops have remained open. And out of all of those, you know, tens of thousands of shops. To think there's only been twenty five clusters associated with retail outlets. So well done to the management and the workers inside in the shops. They've done incredible work to make sure that when you go into a shop, there isn't the possibility that you could pick up COVID nineteen. But people do need to remember the virus is not going away. On. Holidays and it's still out there and it's still trying to find new victims to infect. The government's advice is to shop local and everybody needs to bear this in mind particularly after the difficult year that well-loved stores have had. They can extend the traditional shopping. You can still order online from a lot of your local shops. You can do it over the phone. You can do a click and collect and many of the local shops are even delivering as well if you are nervous about going out. And another piece of good advice that I read about in the papers today when you are heading out shopping is wrap up warm because you know as John has pointed out we are going to get a bit of a cold spell this week. There is the possibility that you will have to queue up outside the shop. You don't know how long you're going to be queuing for. So wrap up warm Hat, scarves, and gloves, and warm boots, I would be uh, suggesting. And sanitizing hands, that remains crucial because people will be going in and out of several stores doing their shopping. You'll be using frequently touched uh, surfaces. You might be entering bank pin numbers at the cashier at a variety of different shops. All of the shops have hand sanitizers on the way in, a lot of them even haven't them on the way out. Keep hand sanitising. And there's also a reminder from Mandate, the trade union that represents most of the retail uh, workers and they're saying if you're genuine about your appreciation for the essential work that's carried on by retail staff, then everyone has a role to play in the coming weeks. Please, they're saying, respect retail workers and remember, they say, that respect is not just for Christmas. So for all of the retail uh, workers who have, and all of the shops who will reopen tomorrow uh, that have been closed for the next six weeks, we wish them nothing but luck over the next number of weeks. It's going to be such a busy, busy time for them. And our first Christmas song of uh, 2020 will dedicate to all of the shops and all of the businesses that will be back up and running from tomorrow.
4: I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Christmas Where there
3: a gorgeous song, isn't it? The late great Bing Crosby with White uh, Christmas and in Ballin Temple says, hi Patricia listening to you about the Lately Toy Show on Friday night. It was absolutely wonderful. It brought tears to my eyes. I think it was the best ever. And you wouldn't have to put your hand in your pocket. I missed my grandchildren but they watched it from abroad. It's wonderful the amount of money that was raised kind regards uh, from um, and I think this year more than ever the amount of expats abroad with their children who were watching it. It seemed to be a huge number of people, certainly on social media, couldn't get over the number of people from every corner of the globe seemed to be tuned in watching it. I mean, I know all the Australians it was Saturday morning for them, so they were having their breakfast and watching it. And people were reliving their own childhood with their own children now in Australia watching it. And it's one of those, those shows you could watch it anywhere in the world, and children certainly anywhere in the world would, get, um, would love it and, and really enjoy it. So good to know that you enjoyed it, Anne. Um, um. And hi, Patricia. I wear gloves. During the cold weather as I suffer from Raynards, what do I do about hand sanitising in and out of shops once they're back up and running? I would suggest when you, because you obviously wear wear sort of warm, woolly type gloves with the Raynards because that can be really painful in cold weather. I would suggest getting disposable gloves and putting them on over your gloves to keep your hands warm. And you'll be able to sanitise the disposable gloves when you're going in and out of uh, shops. That would be my suggestion. If anybody else has a suggestion for this listener, has to wear gloves because of the cold weather but is worrying about the hand sanitising and it is the one thing with shops being busier, the hand sanitising is going to be more important than ever and of course when you get home, make sure you wash your hands and all of that. All of those rules and regulations do not go out the door because Christmas is just around the corner. So I, I think the disposable gloves could work for you. If anybody else has a suggestion for that listener, Please uh, share it with us, eighteen fifty three 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 one oh three. And someone says COVID made an appearance on stage at the pantomime with the audience shouting, 'Tis behind us. Well, it's not behind us yet, but we're on the way, certainly with a vaccine just around the corner. And I'm saddened to hear about this and I hadn't I wasn't aware of this. But Pat in Charleville says, Patricia, it's a disgrace to say that the mural wall for suicide prevention in the plaza in Charleville was destroyed over the weekend. Some Gurrier spray painted the wall. Wasn't aware of that. That really is shocking. Is it possible to get that spray paint off? or has it absolutely been destroyed we'll see if we can find out more on that because I wasn't aware of it uh, thank you for sharing that with us uh, Pat but I would be with you it is a disgrace whoever did that uh, shame on them 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103, 103.
1: Court today on C103 with
5: McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see macrooemotors.com Eggfoyle Mac quid is an eis farlin. Sha e truer C103 Air Kirkgig.
1: Donkey Sanctuary. Lonna he Ellis Caru le mala. Agus is aoteila cuirti cuirted. Agus le raw. Terror Hugh Lodi se team plucht allan. Agus buille hassle. Agus mhuile na torhalla. Oisgliachais e bli an naidi aga huchtail shacht. Habrises cairi vile asl glacacu. Haseas air an aishge chun dal author er fud na To record the Donkey Sanctuary or
3: the group representing speech and language therapists has warned of lengthening waiting lists faced by children and others who need their services and this is due to the ongoing impact of redeployment to tackle the COVID-19 pandemic. Deputy Michael Moynian, who chairs the Oireachtas Committee on Disability Matters, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, uh, And you're welcome. How many speech and language therapists Therapists have been redeployed to help with the pandemic, and what areas were they redeployed to?
6: Well, they repli- they replied or redeployed. Uh, first of all, may I congratulate you on your 30 years of the program, and uh, it's a fantastic achievement. And to you and your team, long may you continue to serve the people of the community. Thank you. But I think it is important that like, there is an almost 200 people that are working in test centres and in a diff- to contact tracing. And if we take that the speech and language therapists, they are highly trained, highly skilled people, and they are uh, walking in the HSE for particular people that need these help and supports, and if there were physicians, if there were in, in GPs or any other people, nurses that are highly trained, highly skilled, taken from their jobs during the pandemic to go contact tracing or any other aspect of it and leave the patients that would need that um, professional expertise care to leave them to one side during the course of the pandemic, there would be huge outright within the country and to think that we have speech and language therapists taken from the needs that are greatest in the community and put into a different aspect of it. It beggars belief.
3: Now, in the early stage of the pandemic, it was probably understandable because all of those services stopped. So rather than have these people, you know, sitting around doing nothing, they could use them to say, look, we need your help here. Come on board, contact tracing or at the test centres.
6: Yes, well maybe it was acceptable in the very early stages of it, because at the very early stages of it, society was trying to grapple with an enormity that was coming and the facts and the figures, and you know, we've learned a lot about it, but maybe it was acceptable at the very start of it, but only at the very start of it, Patricia. I think that we have to accept that there has to be a massive societal change to people with disabilities, and the services that they deserve, the services that they need, have to be sacrosanct, no more than any other sector of society who needs help and state support. And going back over the decades at this stage, it has always been said early intervention leads to better outcomes. Early intervention is the key for young kids and, and people that need uh, speech and language therapists. And if that is the mantra, if that is the early intervention, well that has to be the goal that we have to strive to have early intervention at every level. And what we saw this year was the speech and language people that were, uh, therapists were taken away And an awful lot of people that are working in the private sector providing speech and language therapists, they are doing that online at this stage. They have built up, have worked around the COVID regulations to try and give the best possible service to people. And I am saying that the public service needs to be at that level as well. You know, we have seen waiting lists growing. Waiting lists have grown over the last four, five, six years. In the last all, I've constantly raised the issue of waiting lists, assessment of needs, speech and language, and early intervention. i constantly raised the issue of respite. This year, we raised an awful lot of it, and I made as much noise as I humanly possibly could to get as much money in the budget. Thankfully, we have got money in the budget. But I do think, you know, from the responses I got on the parliamentary questions, and the the, the what I am actually saying, Patricia, is that we need a societal attitudinal change because, you know, it is... Uh, in my opinion, reading the, the information that we got, it was almost, well, look, we can shut down the services for disability, we can shut down the day services, we can shut down the, the basic rights of those people uh, uh, for their lives and their livelihoods and then also take away people with speech and language therapists. That can no longer be acceptable. And the information that I got in relation to 179 were working in test centres and 16 were seconded to the uh, contact tracing, that is not acceptable. And the question I have now, have all those positions gone back to providing the service that they were taken on the first place by the HSE for and providing the services for the young people that need this service so, so badly. Was it
3: only speech and language therapists? What about the other multi-D therapists? Were any of them redeployed?
6: Well, there were uh, speech and language therapists, occupational therapists. They were all redeployed. They were all redeployed. And from, in my, like, uh, what I am really saying on the figures, like the figures that, the uh, organisation representing speech and language therapists have come out and said, this is going to add to a waiting list a further challenge on the waiting list. That was
3: already a lengthy waiting list.
6: That was already a lengthy waiting list and huge frustration. But my point is, and I accept that 100%, it is going to add to more frustration and it's going to add, and, you know, families are trying to go privately and they're scramping and trying to get money together to go to try and get speech and language because it's not being provided in the public service. And I think that my challenge is that this can no longer be acceptable. You know, we've seen the, the know that. And who are you
3: pointing the finger blame? Is it the HSE? Is it, is it up I, to the HSC I, I to actually, redeploy? I,
6: I actually think that there is there is a major issue with the HSC. You know, um, in our committee, and we've been walking away quietly and behind the scenes, but we did we had to set our terms of reference because, it is a new committee, it's the first time in a, in many parliaments that there has been a disabilities committee. There hasn't. Been, in I think we're the second one in Europe to have a special committee. Dedicated to people with disabilities. And we set about making, uh, looking for submissions for our terms of reference because we have to submit our terms of reference to the before the 31st of December. So we look for public submissions on that. We got 186 uh, lengthy submissions from families and from community groups. And I sat down uh, last week And and studied the documents that have been sent to us, all the documents that have been sent to us. And one person made the point in the submission. They said that, you know, with the political noise that was made this year, there was um, in excess of 140 million got for the disability services in the budget going into 2020. Uh, 2021. And he said it clearly showed that the HSE were not advocating for the disability services when they were sending up their request to the, to the Department of Health or onto the Department of Finance. And I think that there is something there that needs to be explored further. I think that, you know, the disability sector had, you know, over the years, and I've worked you know, going back over 20 years at this stage, particularly with St. Joseph's and COPE and other organisations, to try and get the maximum amount of funding. And I think that we do have to have it at the very top of our agenda. That, And I personally believe, and I've said it in the Dáil numerous occasions, I personally believe that in 10, 15, 20 years' time, whoever is Taoiseach of this country will be going into the Dáil apologising for the way the state has treated people that need these services. They will, you know, we have seen all the, going back in history over the way kids were treated, women were treated, and the apologies that have to ensue. But I personally believe that that will happen because I think that the HSC and the Department of Health, but particularly the HSC, as I see it at the moment, and judging by the submissions that we have got, and these are submissions that have come from individuals telling their family stories. Testimony. Yeah, I
3: know you asked for the lived experience of people with disabilities and the issues that, that, that affected them. Did you get very powerful testimonies from people?
6: They were powerful testimonies. Wow. But powerful individual testimonies. And I would like to congratulate those that did take time to send in the documentation, to email in the documentation to us and to give their private family stories to us. Because some people that would have read it and wouldn't be as familiar with the sector, you know, not everybody can, but they were, one person said to me, my God, the entire sector is in a shambles. And the powerful documentation that we have sent in um, will form the basis for us to, to go forward. But, you know, individuals, fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters have written in stories about, their family member, about their fight for services, their challenge for services, their challenge for, and they have service providers have written in giving their frustration at trying to access uh, facility, uh, access money and the challenges that they have to go through and some people wrote in as well in terms of the language that was used heretofore by the HSC in relation to business plans for uh, financial aid for individuals or families that need it business plans, these are human beings, these are uh, people that have uh, are adding enormously to our society and enormous, you know, uh, 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 I suppose anybody that are working with them, they can get a great sense of uh, of self-worth and their families, they add to society and we the word business plan. But I think from what I looked at, you know, the words that jumped out at me, I, I really think that an attitudinal change has to take place within and the challenge that has you know Well
3: I'm going to have to wrap it up I'm over on time but let it begin with the very fact that we now have this Joint Committee on Disability uh, Matters and that you've listened to, to the people let the change start here
6: We'll let the change start here. Okay.
3: We'll talk again, uh, Michael. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for that. Okay, got it. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Deputy Michael Moynihan, 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862
1: 103 103. Court today on C103. With McCroom
5: Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See macrooomotors.com. C103 has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask.
1: Save time and money by only having to do your eye makeup.
5: Forgot to shave? No problem, you're covered.
1: It's easier to avoid an ex because they probably won't recognize you.
5: However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Wear a
1: mask, wash your hands, social distance. We're masking for a friend.
3: Thank you from C103. Earlier I had a text in from Pat in Charleville who was saying it was a disgrace that the mural wall for suicide awareness in the plaza in Charleville had been destroyed over the weekend and as Pat put it, some gurrier decided to spray paint over the mural. Margaret O'Callaghan of the Charleville Suicide Awareness Project joins me. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Patricia. Margaret, is this, your, is this the mural from your group? Yes, yes. This is the one that it's the it's 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 just stunning. It's of it's doves, isn't it? It's and butterflies. It's doves
7: and, and butterflies. to mark
3: on this yes. gorgeous blue wall, and there's a yes. plaque up there as well.
7: That's right, and phone numbers for the Samaritans and Peter House And at the, and what what happened? I tell you now. Um, we have their council is doing uh, the plaza up, and they want to remove the paintings and they want to plant trees and, and flowers there and eventually we'll cover the plaque. So we protested on Friday in town with our placards that save our wall and on Saturday, it was grand Saturday morning because I was in there and Saturday, between Saturday morning and Saturday night, something happened there. They, 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 they said what they wrote now was, uh, Bitch, fuck you Mar- Maggie,
3: uh-huh. on the wall. So it was aimed at you?
7: It was aimed at me, yes. And I thought I was doing good.
3: Well, listen. I don't think so. No, you are doing good. You are. You, whoever,
0: whoever. I'm does... doing it
7: for people like me that lost a son and a brother, not, not anybody else. Everybody around here, there's at least 40 or fifty families in this town alone have been, been braved by suicide. And I'm trying to help. But I think you, you can't do any more I can't. I just
3: can't. What you have to remember, Margaret, are all of the people and all of the families that you have helped. This is one individual, one nasty, nasty individual who has decided to do this and do not let that person bring you down because you have done, I've spoken with you on so many occasions in the past, and anyone that I talk about, when your name is mentioned, everybody speaks has with such high regard and such high respect. You're you're a wonderful person, and you have saved lives. So don't let the, don't let this gorrier I think is a good word that Pat used. Don't let that uh, bring you down. Can can this spray? It's 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 black spray paint. Is it something?
7: It's black spray can, paint. Can, can it be cleaned? Can it be? No, I have to get the wall repainted. <laughs> and I I have to get the mural put on back on again because that wall means so much to people. Who, who painted the we,
3: original mural for uh, you, Marcus?
7: Peter, Peter O'Brien, a local bison town. And Froga. Froga is the, is the t- teenagers of Charifal and the Froga. They, they they done the wall, the, the small wall, with all, the two dogs and the plaque. But Peter O'Brien done the big dog. And, and there's
3: no way that the this the horrible words that have been written, there's no way that that can just be cleaned off, is there
7: no... I, I don't know, I'm meeting a man now at one o'clock to see what he can do, but I think he just said we have to power wash it off.
3: And that will take the mural with us, will it?
7: Yeah, that will take the mural, yes. And then the yeah, ongoing uh, problem that you
3: have with the council um, is all a bit bizarre, Margaret. Well,
7: they're doing up the plaza they're doing up the plaza and the wall doesn't fit into their, their. Um, what they said to me was, the wall will be gone, you know, the paintings. And what they're doing is shrubs and trees and they put in two, three little lights with three doves. That's not the same as we go there every September. And even this year we went with COVID, we had only a few, but we had our photographs of our loved ones. And it wasn't just me, it's families that lost sons, daughters, husbands, grandchildren, all there. And we just talk to one another, that's where we meet up. We can go to the graveyard and visit our families, but this is our, it's like when you have something for road accidents and cancer, you can meet up, that's what we can do, on our event, we can meet up and talk about ourselves and how we feel. And it's lovely. And why take it away from the people of the town and the surrounding areas? Because we have 32 trees set all over the country and 32 benches. And I think the people are so good and kind. Even surrounding areas, they're so good and kind. There's a lady from Kilbury, Mary Cockery, and her family. She's even having a counselor in charitable for people. Do you know, we're, we're trying to do our best because we... There's no mental health here for people. And we have a, a counselor now in charge of Mary Lynch. And she does counselling for people. And just leave it all alone. Do all is doing nothing to no one. Why break something that's fixed already? Well, I know, I know, John. Only, I know because, we're trying to get be on to the
3: we're trying to get on to the council to find out uh, what is what their for their rationale behind it because y- you reckon your annual service you won't be able that to have I because be of there, the new exactly. planting, yeah. And,
7: and the tree of hope in the park and the bench is going to be moved. Why? Why move, is the bench being move moved? That. Because they want to have a zebra crossing there, and to involve it's in it's it's, it's um, interfering with that But didn't, didn't they the did they approve the, did they not approve did they not They brought me they brought me 10 years ago and showed me where to plant the tree and the bitch they brought me 10 years ago
3: And have they given you a new location for it?
7: Um, well my son died above in the park in Sharifel and where they wanted is right in front it's a, he's at the back where he died and you know where the tree would be I just can look straight at where he died and I'm not having it there. I don't want it there. My son died there. No. I I was shown the place by the council 10 years ago. The kids play there in the, in the swings and the slides. Their parents sit at that tree, bench. They look at the tree. They said their prayers at the tree. It, it's lovely. People go there and sit there. Why take it away? I don't think the council have any idea how how... Suicide affects people until they come to their own door, and I hope they never do because it's a thing you'll never, never get over.
3: And I can see an outpouring of support. Somebody saying, "Margaret, you are such a strong, strong woman. Uh, Stay going. You And Margaret." believe me you are, you absolutely are uh, somebody else is saying whoever that individual who was responsible how dare they, uh, Margaret has saved so many people over the years and she's done it all in memory of her son uh, Frankie, it is just uh, shocking and people are saying stay strong uh, Margaret you have the support and the love of uh, so many people, okay and in the meantime we're going to get on to the council to try to find out uh, why they want to remove the mural but in the meantime we need to get the what's written, taken down and, and gotten gotten rid of. Uh, if anybody has suggestions, I know you're meeting up with a gentleman at one o'clock. But if anybody has the suggestions on how Margaret, how we can get this the the awful words taken off the the picture, um, are you on your own at the moment, Margaret? Have you anybody with you? I have a friend here. Mate. Have you? Okay. I have a I just I want to make sure you're okay. Listen, you stay strong. You're 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 a powerful woman. Don't let this person bring you down. Will you promise me that? I promise you that. Don't. Thank you very much. And we'll stay in contact. Okay. You look after awesome. yourself. God bless. Okay,
7: Patricia.
3: Bye. Uh, it's hard to hear that woman uh, so upset because she's just and she's amazing what she has done. And anyone who's come in contact with the Charitable, Charitable Suicide Awareness Program pro, project will know of Margaret O'Callaghan. Will know her backstory. Will know what she has been through, losing a brother and a son to suicide, and all she has ever done is to try to make sure that nobody else has to walk in her shoes to live the life that she's had to live because of the loss of two people very close to her so shame shame on whoever did that graffiti on that mural last night
5: you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed
3: and thank you to a couple of people. Some of, the, some of the mums and dads are texting in who received our Sam and Sue, the safety books we gave away on Friday. This quick post service. We put them in the post on Friday and they were arriving at people's doors uh, this morning, which is terrific. I hope your children enjoy the books and they come with great messages as well. Books are great, but it's great if it's a message where children can learn as well. So I appreciate people taking time out uh, to uh, tell us that their books have arrived safe and sound. And actually, uh, we know there's been some delays. The postmen and women are just working. They're another one of our essential workers who need a huge round of applause at the end of the year and they're coming into their busiest period, uh, their busiest period anyway, outside of what's been going on with with the pandemic. And last week, somebody was on to us to say that her sister-in-law in England had sent her card early because there was reports in England that there was a delay with Post uh, coming from Ireland so we're trying to see how much of a delay is there certainly on Post we're saying that they, they're not seeing any reasons for delays but this lady was saying that her sister-in-law was saying in England so it was being reported I posted uh, I posted a parcel to England on Wednesday and I've asked the uh, recipient to let me know as soon as they get it so out of interest just to see how long it is taking so if you do have parcels to go overseas certainly the ones for Australia Australian that I would be getting working on those but Christmas cards as well actually my first Christmas card arrived yesterday I don't know if people are sending out Christmas cards I always think I like to wait until at least we've got December in before posting the Christmas cards but I, I think we probably need to spread them out a little bit to give the postmen and women a little bit of a chance because they are working so hard Hi Patricia says the text how many COVID cases were, were there in Cork yesterday we had some really good news on COVID cases for Cork uh, yesterday there was 299 reported nationwide. And the numbers for Cork were the lowest it's been in months. There was only seven reported uh, cases. The The breakdown of the 299 for yesterday, there was 94 in Dublin. 41 in Donegal, 27 in Wicklow, 14 in Louth and 13 in Limerick and then the the remaining 110 were spread across 20 other counties and that is the first time in a couple of months that Cork wasn't in that list of individual numbers. We're now in with the spread across 20 other counties so when I dug down into them, seven was reported for Cork yesterday which uh, long may those low numbers uh, continue and actually John Paul will be joining us after 12 taking a look back at the different local authority areas you know what he normally does on a Friday but he wasn't with us on Friday. So we take a look back at the last two weeks just to take a look at where the figures are and there certainly is a lot of good news in it but we need to keep it up. We can't get complacent because that's what happened the last time and the numbers went through the roof so we just need to absolutely stay on top of it. So 7 was the number for yesterday. 1850 333 103. I'm going to go to the phone lines because Councillor Frank Roach contacted us this morning. Good morning to you, Frank. Good morning, Patricia. Frank, you've contacted us. Now, we're not obviously giving out names or we're not even going to give out areas of That's where this is going yet, on. Yeah. But you contacted us because you've been helping out a homeless man. Well, he's, um, he's a man that
8: has worked all his life, right? Uh, he was self-employed. And unfortunately, his house got burnt down and he's now living in a caravan. And the front door is actually out of blowing off it. And he's going in by night, he has no electricity, he has no water, he's putting a sheet of plywood across the door, and he's supported with a chair. Now, I contacted um, the, the Council Housing Authority a number of weeks back about this situation, and they put me on another state organisation. <coughs> and in fairness, I met a very nice girl in that organisation, and we. Um, I was talking to her on the phone for a number of days and then we agreed to meet up with the man. Now, unfortunately, in the conditions that he's living and the conditions in, in the approach into his his residence, I wouldn't expect any young girl to drive in her own care or to go to, to, to walk in there. So I agreed that I'd pick him up and I brought him to the nearest town or to travel 20 miles to pick this man up. And I brought him into his nearest town and because of the covid we, we to, to to meet him out of. Now he had all the information that he needed, his um PPS number, everything they asked for except his belt And they agreed that they'd be back to him. Now I just took it for granted for now I'd heard nothing from him that he was okay and that he had been sorted. and he's got emergency accommodation.
3: And when so, what, when was that? When did that meeting take place?
8: Around three weeks back. Okay. And yesterday, uh, <coughs> we, I, we called, well, around 1 o'clock, if we call at dinner time, he rang me and he said, the forecast is very bad. He was a little bit upset and he said, you did it all for me. Now, I had done my part and I was sure that the, um, the authorities had been walking away and that they had started him out. Now, in fairness, I rang him this morning and they're saying they're looking to get him uh, temporary accommodation. But, like, that man has spent another three weeks Sleeping in very, very rough conditions. Now, all the authorities are sleeping in their beds. And it's fine for them to go home at half past five in the evening, turn off their phones till nine in the morning, turn it off in Saturday evening till Monday morning. Now, I was available yesterday for the men. If I wasn't available, the men could have done anything else. And like it And, it,
3: and the weather, they, and actually I started the programme because somebody was is scared of snow and I heard the snow was forecast. We are going into a very cold spell
7: exactly later
3: on this week right. and into, into next weekend. But also what you're describing of a caravan with a piece of plywood and a chair pushed up against it. God, it sounds like a death trap. Oh man, he's doing his clever distance.
8: Oh, sure, listen, but I know. Like, he's trying to keep warm. And, and like, uh, we, we did an article on in, 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 in a local newspaper a month back, and we I, I said at the time that there was 30 people, that I 30 of those type individuals. I can now confirm that I have up to 45 of those type uh, individuals in North Cork. Now, I'm only talking about North Cork. They're probably all over Ireland. But the ones I'm concerned about is North Cork. And, like, when we hear of homeless people, I, whether we look at it in the internet or the news or whatever, we're talking about homeless people inside in cities, sleeping in tents, sleeping doorways. But they're sleeping at your doorstep, up and down every road and every borderline in the country. Just people living in desperate conditions and the authorities are doing sweet demo And for them.
3: And there's, it's, a, it's very much a hidden problem. Nobody even knows that this is going on.
8: But should I, you know, nobody knew because they highlighted them. And I'm has, he sure any, every...
3: has he any family that could help him out, Frank?
8: Look, there was family, he's not married, he's a single man, but there was family problems, and I'm sure that anybody that would recognise, when I highlight these people, the background they're coming from, and an awful lot of the, 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 the better-off families can be very, very rough in their own, pay, on their own um, families. And the, the, the better-off people, where well, there's property involved, that are actually putting their own families out on the side of the road.
3: You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family is the is well, the I mean, old saying. Uh, OK, yeah, but, in, but OK, so where, where are we at with this man? What, he's looking for, is he been, and I won't fussy is the wrong word. Is he in particular in the area where he wants to live? He, he, I'm assuming he wants to stay local, does he?
8: He wants to stay local because he's working. He, he, his farm income is provided locally.
3: So he is still working? He's
8: still working, yes.
3: So he he's can he can get pay get
8: rent from what I do I have to explain? And I'm sure you will profi- get his profession.
3: But he c- he can pay rent and everything then.
8: Look, he's very very badly off. Um okay. Like what, what he's making out uh, out of his his particular source of income is very very little, and like he has been led into this because of a family dispute back along the lines.
3: And is he on social welfare? Is he on a, would he be better off on a social welfare payment, Frank? He should actually be getting the
8: pension, but he's not getting that either.
3: Oh, this seems like an atrocious situation that this man has found himself in. But
8: you see, there's hundreds of them there. There's absolutely hundreds of them there. And, like, what's happening, and in particular in the farming community, where you have disputes in land and people don't own land and no paperwork is right? And in mysteriously, there's a lot of houses being burnt down. And... It, Look, I suggest he holds boning, but this kind of care on is scandalous.
3: And did he manage to to get his birth cert Was that an issue? Do you think that yeah, he no, he has. He's got he has, has his, wa- yeah. So he has all the paperwork done. It's just yeah. waiting on the service well, to find him a place. And is okay. Is that the problem that there just isn't accommodation for single men?
8: Well, you see, the problem. I have another man that that that's actually working in a trade, and and he's not a, uh, a local man, but he's. Um, he he came into the area, and he's sleeping in a van every night. Now, he's a man that gets up every morning and goes out and does a very, very hard day's work. But he tells me he can't afford, because what he's making out of his work, he can't afford accommodation. And it is actually our state that is driving accommodation to the walls Because they, they're they giving um, €900 euros, uh, a month for uh, for any house to, to put in somebody that's, that's unemployed or somebody that's on social welfare and the working person cannot afford to rent that house against the state. So that's another problem we're having.
3: Uh, I but I, I think, and you are, and we've spoken with you before, you have highlighted this before, there are people living in the most desperate of circumstances, and as you well, say, people are living close by and are not even aware of it.
8: Yes. And like uh, any walking person, if they are on 150 euros a day, it's to good rate, but, which like is... You're talking about nine hundred uh, a, a week, which will be a very, very good rate. Yeah. No, there's very few people earning this. Yeah. And yeah. like, look at the rents that are around. The walking people are the new poor, because if you're, if, you're, if uh, we are testing, we're growing up. The, the poor of Longo are no longer poor because the social welfare will look after them. But it's the people that are getting out of their beds in the morning. They have payments and chaos. Their payments and the expense is going to work. They've all these expenses, and their income is not covering what they're actually what what they need.
3: Okay, and for this and particular, and this particular gentleman, is there anything we can do? Can we put a call through for you, uh, Frank, or do you think the agency are on top of it now?
8: Well, I spoke to the girl again this morning. She rang me back after I talking to you. Yeah. And to be fair, she didn't know I spoke to you and she said, look, she's going to try and get temporary uh, temporary accommodation
3: for him. Yeah, and he needs that ASAP. And will you keep in contact with us and let us know how he's, oh, I mean, course, he's yeah. getting on? Okay. Yes. And if he needs anything, if we can be of any help, if we can put a, an, an appeal out, uh, people are very good and people are very generous and it's, it's helping one of our own and that's what it's all about. Stay in contact with us, Frank, will you?
8: Right, I will of course.
3: OK, and listen, well done for highlighting it as well. You're you're doing great work, I think, for, for people who are very, feel very voiceless uh, because when they're certainly the, not being heard.
8: Patricia, what I'm trying to highlight is the pledge of the working poor and our authorities and our civil servants have the clue about what is actually going on in rural Ireland.
3: Okay. All right, Frank. Thanks for that. Uh 1850 333 103 Jump Hall taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp O eight six two one oh three one oh three. C one oh three jobs. An experienced joiner is uh, wanted while the Corbett Court restaurants in Ballyhay and Kilworth they've got vacancy for a night porter, waiting staff, and kitchen assistants. A program assistant is required to facilitate persons with physical and sensory disabilities in emotional and recreational activities. And a, C- and a CE scheme looking for caretakers for Blarney, Iniscara, Kilcolly, and Grena areas. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
1: Court today on C103.
5: With McCrew Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCrewMotors.com.
2: The selection box? One day tops. That vibrating head massager? Two days. And that's being optimistic. The tree? Four weeks max. But you can make something last beyond Christmas. With a donation to AWARE, your gift of hope will help us be there every day for people who need support with their mental health. Give hope that lasts this Christmas, as we mark 35 years supporting the people of Ireland. Donate today at AWARE.ie. From staying home to
7: staying apart, you're doing a lot for others at the moment. But have you been doing enough for yourself and your future? At Bank of Ireland, we're all about your financial well-being. Pension is a great
1: way to make sure the retirement lifestyle you've always wanted is achievable. It's time to
7: invest in you. Book a phone or virtual meeting today at bankofirelandcom forward slash pensions. Bank of Ireland, begin. Bank of Ireland is a tied agent of New Ireland Assurance Company PLC Trading as Bank of Ireland Life for Life Assurance and Pensions Business. Members of Bank of Ireland Group. Bank of Ireland Trading as Bank of Ireland Insurance and Investments is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
5: At Borabwee Co-op Farm and DIY Store, we're all about plumbing, electrical goods, farm inputs and convenience. Our farm store is open six days a week, including all day Saturday. At our Super Value, we offer a night hatch service till 10pm and diesel in our forecourt 24-7. Borabwee Co-op and Super Value Borabwe, at the heart of the community.
1: Amazon's Black Friday week is here, so you can either shop last-minute presents and be a Christmas nobody, Or, shop now and become a Christmas hero. Wow! best present ever. Amazon's Black Friday week, 20th to 30th November. Shop now, relax later. We all know a great night's sleep is vital for our (sighs) well-being. We spend one-third of our lives in bed, so a good mattress is crucial. Swan Beds recommends for a better night's sleep, replacing your mattress every eight years. A better sleep means a better you. Replace every eight at Swan Beds, Cork's only exclusive bed store, because your sleep is important to us. Shh, it's a Swan Bed. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace.
5: Serving local communities for 60 Christmases and counting.
1: C103.
3: Now, last week, Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex, revealed that she had suffered a miscarriage, losing her unborn second child in July of this year. In a deeply personal article for the New York Times, Meghan described the almost unbearable grief that had consumed both herself and her husband, Prince Annew and Prince Harry. Uh, to discuss why this article was so important, I'm joined from the Irish Miscarriage Association by committee member uh, Jennifer Duggan. Good morning to you, Jennifer.
9: Good morning,
3: Uh, Mr. Charlie. Oh, I'm very well, and you're very welcome to the program. Does it help when somebody as high profile as Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, when they speak openly about miscarriage?
9: Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, it's it's really something that isn't talked about. So when you have somebody as as high profile as Meghan coming out and sharing her story, it definitely starts the conversation. And I suppose that's what's needed. It's just it needs somebody just to start the conversation and get people talking and. It's supposed to raise awareness as well because it is such a common occurrence, and unfortunately, it's not talked about, and it's still such a taboo subject in many many aspects. So it's it's great that she's come out and shared her story.
3: Why do you believe Jennifer, in this day and age, it's it's still almost a taboo subject?
9: Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's just such a hard topic for people to speak about. I mean, people that go through the loss, some people choose not to share it, and that's perfectly okay as well. But for the people that do choose to share it. I suppose they're often met with, with silence and people don't know how to respond to it because it's such a hidden grief as well. The people, they just don't know how to respond to it. Um, and that can be very difficult then because I think it just adds to the stigma. The it just adds to the truth and that people that have gone through miscarriage feel that they can't talk about it because of the lack of support that they get when they do.
3: And then can there also be the case where people say the wrong thing? To somebody. Yeah,
9: exactly. I mean, I, I would have gone through miscarriages myself and I suppose one of the things that used to be so hurtful was when somebody used to start a sentence with at least. And I kind of think to myself, if you start a sentence with it, at least, it probably you shouldn't shouldn't go any further than absolutely.
3: that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine uh, losing a baby through miscarriage and somebody saying to her, oh, she have an angel in heaven now. And she said, I didn't want an angel in heaven, I wanted a baby in my arms. And it was yeah. just brushed off.
9: That's it exactly, and I suppose it's minimised a little bit as well because it's, a, it's it's not you don't have the physical baby and you're holding it in your hand, so people see it as a, as a different type of loss. But it is a loss, and it's, it's your baby that you've lost, and, it, and it's heart and it's heartbreak, and it's it's devastation. And people don't see that side of it because I think not you know that an Irish mentality as well that we often tell people that we're fine when we're probably not and it's a, it's a hidden grief in that side of it as well.
3: And what supports, Jennifer, are available to women who suffer miscarriages in this country?
9: Yes, yeah, so I suppose that from, from a hospital point of view, I suppose a lot of the hospitals would have their own bereavement in, in most of the hospitals now at this stage and then you have hospital chaplains as well and then I suppose within our own association in the Miscarriage Association of Ireland, we would have telephone support Monday to Friday, so we have a committee member on call in the morning from 10 to 12 and then again in the evenings from 8 to 10. And I suppose beyond that we had been running prior to COVID, we would have had monthly support meetings in Dublin, Galway and Cork. And um,
4: the, they've stopped since obviously. Yeah. They've
9: stopped, but we've, we've kept them going through Zoom, so we have well to do them monthly via Zoom. So there's been a, a great uptake on the Zoom calls I suppose, because it's opened it up throughout the country. the
3: and is is it helpful, Jennifer? And and you can speak if you want from your own uh, personal experience. Is it helpful to be in a setting like that to speak with other women and and the dads as well who have been through the same thing as you? Does that help? Yeah,
9: exactly. It does. I mean, going back to my own experiences was that's why I would have gotten involved with the associate with the association to begin with, was when we had our first miscarriage going on over thirteen years ago one of the things I found was the lack of support and the lack of having somebody to talk to that actually got it and just knew what it was going through. So I suppose the the support meetings and the Zoom calls provide that and that everybody that's in those meetings has gone through the loss and has gone through the miscarriage and they know the feelings you're feeling. So you can talk openly and you can be very honest with them because there's no there's no I suppose there's no question from them as to why you're feeling the way you're feeling because they get it. So that makes yeah. a huge difference
3: to people. Yeah, somebody else who's walked in in your shoes and is is wearing yeah. the, is wearing the same T-shirt and follow-on pregnancies, Jennifer. Are they very difficult when when you have suffered a miscarriage with a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety?
9: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose when you go through a miscarriage, it kind of robs you of the innocence a little bit, and that you know what can go wrong. And I suppose that fear never fully leaves you. Um, you just have to take it day by day throughout the next pregnancy and that fear is always there. You're con- constantly wondering if every little nickel is that start of something. Um, but it is. It is certainly a worry. But it's mostly, all you can do is just take it one day at a time when you do get pregnant again and just uh, keep, keep hoping for the best, really.
3: Has COVID made the situation even worse for some women who suffer miscarriages?
9: Yeah, definitely, undoubtedly. I mean, you, you hear the stories on, on the media with people going in and, being told that there's no heartbeat and the dad is out in the car waiting to hear the news. And I suppose it's very difficult for both partners, but I suppose from a male standpoint, they're out in their car or they're at home waiting for the phone call. And that's an awful phone call for any woman to have to make to tell her partner or her husband that they've lost their baby. So it, it is definitely adding to it. And I suppose we would have seen that in terms of our phone support and things, we would have seen an increase in calls to the support line. Since the start of COVID, so it's definitely adding to the isolation that
3: people are feeling. It's changing in some of the hospitals in that, particularly the twenty-week scan, and the dads. Are they starting to allow the dads in to at least the twenty-week scan?
9: Yeah, I think there's, there's there's a shift, and I think they're starting to see the impact of it in terms of, I suppose, the the emotional side of it and the mental health side of it. So there's definitely a shift. Um, and I think they're seeing that too at the hospital. So there is, I think you're right in terms of the 20-week scan, I think that some dads are being allowed
3: into those at yeah. the yeah. And Megan in the article in the New York Times spoke about the effect on Prince Harry. Mm-hmm. Are, are dads often forgotten about when when the whole subject of suicide is discussed? I keep saying "suicides." we were talking about that earlier, my apologies. <laughs> when <laughs> when miscarriage is, is discussed, can we forget about the dad sometimes?
9: Definitely. And I suppose I would have read her article. And that was something that resonated with me as well, was that she said to start her own healing process, she asked him, was he okay?" And I suppose going back to my own story, that was something that I found very difficult in that my husband would come in from being out and he would have said, oh, I met such and such. And they asked how you were. And it actually made me very angry because I felt like, well, nobody's asked you how you are. So they do, they often get forgotten and I suppose you automatically think of the woman and what she's gone through and the dads do get forgotten and I mean they feel the grief just as much and and sometimes it can almost be worse because they're having to watch somebody that they love going through the pain of physical miscarriage and not be able to take that pain away on top of trying to look after them and mind their own grief as well. So it is that the dads often get forgotten about it in the situation, yeah. Yeah,
3: and yet it's their little baby they've lost.
9: That's it. It's yeah. as
3: much, it's as much um, there, baby. Did, and did you say you suffered more than one miscarriage, Jennifer?
9: Yeah, we would have actually gone through six miscarriages. Oh my goodness! The last thirteen years. Now we're blessed. We have three, three. Three lovely little people in the house as well. But it doesn't take away from it. And I suppose. Like we still talk about the babies we've lost and things like that. Um. So it doesn't take away from it. But I suppose it just makes you appreciate what you have all the more.
3: Yeah, I know Rosanna Davison as well and she's just had her twin boys. She went through um, a large amount of miscarriages as well but that's why it's important that we talk about it And uh, because as you say, it is common. It does happen to a lot of women.
9: Yeah, it does. I mean, one in four or one in five depending on the statistics we look at. So it's a huge amount of women when you think about if you're in a room with a group of people and you think one in four, that's a huge number and yet it's not talked about and it's still it's still kind of hidden away and it just adds to the adds to the isolation and adds to the grief when you don't know who you can turn to and where you can turn to. So it's so important that people know that there is support there and that you can reach out and you can talk to people um, and that the Niscarious Association is there to help people in that side of it as well. Well done,
3: because the listeners just said my daughter lost two babies over lockdown, went through it twice. Yeah. That is yeah, that is tough going. It's utterly
9: really heartbreaking, yeah. And I mean, it's it, it's great when people have a support network around them in terms of their family but even with COVID now, that a lot of that has been taken away as well with lockdowns and whatnot. So it's, it's just to have that support. I mean, even just to pick up the phone and just speak to speak to your own family if you, if you want to speak to, to somebody that, that you can confide in.
3: But talk to people. You do need to, yeah. you don't bottle it yeah. up. You do need to talk about it, to, to it. How do people contact the Miscarriage Association, Jennifer?
9: Yeah, so they can go onto our website. It's www.miscarriage.ie. And that would have our contact numbers for the committee members that are on call each month. And then the other way would be through our email, which is info at miscarriage.ie. And like I say, if anybody does want to join in in any of those support meetings via Zoom, they just email in to us with Zoom in the, in the, in the subject field.
3: And I take it all the other committee members, like yourself, you've all had a miscarriage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
9: So I suppose the committee or the, the Miscarriage Association is, is run by a group of volunteers. And each of us would have had our own our own history, our own journey with miscarriage. So we would all have been been through the experience and I suppose kind of come out the other side and kind of feel that we want to give back now and support others going through.
3: It. Okay. So, yeah. And how,
9: how are you funded? Um, part funded by Toothland and everything else would be through fundraising donations. We have a 5K for miscarriage to reach out if you do your 5K and you text um, the number in. So it's... it's it's mostly fundraising and
3: donations. Okay, well done, well done. You're yeah. great. You're a great organisation, um, and sadly, there'll always be a need for your organisation. That's the reality of yeah. life.
9: Yeah, that's it exactly.
3: Okay, listen. Thank you for talking to us about it uh, today, Jennifer. I really appreciate it, Thanks and you, um, have a good Christmas. You too. Thanks a million. God bless. Uh, bye bye. Jennifer Duggan there, one of the committee members with the Irish Miscarriage Association. And please, if you have, uh, you are struggling and you have suffered a miscarriage, reach out because uh, certainly there's great support available. In the wake of a worrying report on the state of the Irish environment, an activist group has come up with a novel way for people to pitch in by sponsoring a sod in some of the country's most beautiful areas. Joining me from the Environmental Organisation called. Called Green Sod Ireland. I'm joined by Ifa Ralph, who is the coordinator. Good morning, to Aoife.
2: Good morning, Patricia. You, How are you? I'm
3: very well, and you're welcome to the program. You've got sites all over the country that you're trying to preserve, including one here in Roscarbery. Tell me about that.
2: Yes. So we are a voluntary land and biodiversity trust which was set up in 2007 and we're lucky enough to have acres in six counties actually right across Ireland of gifted land in our care. So we've uh, Galway, um, Ross Carberry like you mentioned in Cork, there's County Carlow, County Mayo, Donegal and Cavan. So the site I suppose down there closest you would be in Ross Carberry and uh, that was gifted to us about two years ago and it's an absolutely beautiful site with rich in and diverse in uh, lots of wildlife and nature and biodiversity it comprises of a young woodland a meadow a wet woodland a wet meadow and a pond life so um down there it's absolutely wow. thriving.
3: it's got it all going and yeah. where
2: uh, do you know where in ross carberry it is it's just uh, on the way into ross so on the right hand side it kind of faces the pontoon there
3: and who gifted it to you
2: so the Sisters Mercy there, the southern province, gifted it to us a couple of years ago. Well
3: so done to the nuns. Well oh, done.
2: brilliant. Well yeah, done. Absolutely. Yeah, um, credit where it's due to be fair. All of our donors right across Ireland, they're so diverse and there's such a, a range of backgrounds there that it really is. It's, it's really everybody coming together, like in fairness. It's a massive thing to do and we're so we're indebted to them, really.
3: So explain this sponsor, Assad, and what you're okay. looking for people to do and what people get in return.
2: Absolutely. So this week we're launching our new campaign. It's called Save a Sod. So it's our new way of reaching out to people all over the country and asking them to help us to preserve and protect these wild spaces and the Irish biodiversity all over the country. So um, they'll have an option of picking a site that they wish to uh, sponsor to save a sod in um, any of the sites that I mentioned, and or in, indeed even gift a sod to their friend or their colleague or. Um, you know, it could be a perfect gift for someone interested in nature or wildlife or, you know, in a way of taking actual direct action towards uh, or in response to the climate action emergency. So their sod will go directly to the proper management and rewilding in each site. Each piece of the land that's in our care, like, absolutely has its own uniqueness and uh, has to be managed accordingly. So all of this costs money and all of this has to be done, you know, in recommendations to their own ecological reports. So for uh, €25 Euro each um, each uh, person will receive a, a beautiful digital cert and for uh, gifts over 50 or they'll receive a uh, handmade um uh, letterpress there which is printed on like recycled uh, coffee wow. and with ecological ink. Yeah so wow. they're lovely. They're really really beautiful. They're a lovely gift for anyone. That's clever.
3: That's that's, yeah. re- that's really clever. It's one of those uh, gifts for somebody that might have everything or somebody that you're really yeah. struggling to buy for who's got a deep Absolutely. love of the environment. It, it, Absolutely. It a bit. And what do you do then with the money raised?
2: So the money goes, like I said, each site, um, they're all so different. They all vary in woodland, bog, Um, different pond life, all the biodiversity is so unique. So each site has its own unique ecological report. So um, they'll all be managed according to that and rewilded or there might be trees planted or you know, the upkeep. I know for instance one of the sites out in Connemara has a really rare uh, marsh grasshopper on it. So things will be due to enhance that and to ensure that that thrives. Um, And also I suppose practical things like fencing or, you know, we'll have to buy different parts for that. We're a voluntary organisation so every Really Every Well done, towards
3: well done. A ter- yeah. terrific group. And are we in real danger of losing some of our countries, They're some of our wildest areas in many ways?
2: Oh, I think so, absolutely. I think, you know what I mean, um, at present, there seems to be great momentum and public awareness for tackling climate change. But we really, really need to understand and we need, really need to kind of tackle and uh, raise awareness for the biodiversity emergency. You know, we know that climate change and biodiversity are they're really inextricably linked. Like, if we fail to protect biodiversity, we are going to fail to tackle climate change. You know, and just like we need diversity in the natural world, we need biodiversity for survival. We also want to need, like, diversity in our approach to fixing it. So Greensod is just one of the organisations doing what they can, but we also need all the other organisations to continue with their campaigns and continue with their awareness and highlight all their issues, like cutting down on plastic, lowering our emissions and all of that. But we really, really need people to recognise and emphasise that the use for land or bog lands or wetlands or forests are really, really crucial in climate regulation.
3: But this is about us all doing our own little bit, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. And I think that's the thing. Like People need to know that organisations like Greensod, we do exist, that Ireland is special, wild places, and spaces all over the country and that these spaces are so so important but they're not just for our sake they're for our children's sake and our children's children's sake you know it's about what we leave behind.
3: Yeah I mean the main aim of what certainly what you're doing Aoife and your group is to preserve and protect these areas for future generations.
2: Absolutely like I I think we really really need to understand how important uh, biodiversity like There's no doubt that the degradation of Earth's biodiversity and ecosystems has to be one of the greatest challenges we're facing. You know, I think it's so important for us all, you know, individually, to be able to stand back and really review and view at how we look at land, how our relationship is with the land, you know, and to stand back and really look at and review our relationship with biodiversity and our, our, you know, how how these things are interlinked and how we all form part of this one living organism. We're not an independent species. We need wild spaces. We need forests. We need land to hold carbon. We need all of these things interlinked for our own survival. You know, it's so, so important just to get that message out there and, and really just to support us. Like I said, we're a voluntary-run organisation and we need all the help and support we can get just to get this message out there and to help save sods, I suppose, all well over said. the world. Well, well said.
3: So the obvious question, how can people sponsor a sod?
2: Yes, so our campaign will be live on Wednesday, but you can log on to greens.ireland.ie forward slash saveasod and uh, you will complete the order form there.
3: Okay. All right, listen, we wish you luck with it, Aoife. Thank you so much. And uh, well, thank you for joining us on the programme. No problem at all. Good Take morning to you. Bye, you. bye bye. Aoife uh, Ralph is really passionate. Uh, she's a coordinator with Green Sod Ireland if you want to sponsor a sod but in particular uh, we are encouraging people to sponsor a sod in the patch in Roscarbury that they are looking after and well done to the nuns who gifted it to Green Sod Ireland. 1850 333 103. A listener wants to know is the Christmas bonus been paid out this week and will the bookies be open? Um, yeah the The bookies are due to open tomorrow because they were closed. They were deemed uh, non-essential. The Christmas bonus though, let me go. Uh, The social welfare Christmas bonus Uh, for this year will be paid out the week beginning December 7th. So December 7th is next Monday so it doesn't get paid this week, it'll get paid next week. 1.6 million people are entitled to a Christmas bonus. It'll cost the Exchequer 390 million. Who gets paid the Christmas bonus? Long term social welfare recipients including pensioners, people with disabilities, carers, lone parents and this year everyone who is entitled to it will receive 100 of the Christmas bonus as it has been in previous years during the bad times it got cut down Remember, one says they're only paying out 50% but it's 100% so it's a complete double payment the people entitled to it will will receive it lots of different um, if you're on various different social welfare Payments you'll get it like back to education, back to work, blind pension, carers allowance, carers benefit, deserted wives, domiciliary care allowance, pharmacist gets it, job seekers allowance, job seekers benefit, job seekers... Job seekers transition uh, payment, the rural social scheme, all of the state pensions, contributory and non contributory, widows and widowers, uh, survivors, civil partners uh, pension. And of course, on an exceptional basis this year, the Christmas bonus is also going to be paid to the recipients of the pande- pandemic unemployment payment, the PUP payment provided that they are in receipt of the COVID payment for at least four months and four months by the way breaks down to 17 weeks since uh, March but the Christmas bonus to be paid out this week on the week beginning December 7th Martin wants to know uh, will we be allowed to go and see matches now that the country reopens tomorrow and sadly no no matches our events can take place except for professional and elite sports which are Approved inter-county GAA games horse racing and approved equestrian events uh, but all of those must take place behind closed doors so no people can't go back to matches and actually I heard the health minister uh, Stephen Donnelly uh, is warning against exuberant GAA celebrations at the end of the all Ireland Hurling and Football uh, Championships uh, with several counties of course going for a first win in decades and the fear is that people might go a little bit mad uh, if they win an All-Ireland with the lockdown restrictions easing significantly from tomorrow. Minister Donnelly has appealed to the GAA to ensure safety remains paramount while also defending the decision to keep the wet pubs uh, closed. He, um, the, he, the Health Minister said that celebrations after club championship games in September had been a contributory factor in the spread of COVID-19. So Mr Donnelly said that the club championship celebrations cannot be repeated. After the delayed All-Ireland hurling and football finals, which will be held in the coming weeks. And it seems so strange that we're even talking about All-Ireland hurling and football finals as we as the Christmas trees are up, isn't it? It seems really, uh, really bizarre. Waterford, who have qualified on Saturday for the All-Ireland hurling final. They haven't won a senior title since 1959. Their opponents, Limerick, have only won twice in the last 47 years, while the footballers of Cavan, Tipperary and Mayo are still in contention for very rare title wins. And the fear is that if any of those counties win, that there will be, as Stephen Donnelly said, exuberant uh, GAA celebrations and it's going to be very hard if a county that hasn't won an All-Ireland in so many years suddenly wins isn't it going to be very hard to get people there won't be anybody at the matches people won't be allowed in because they still have to take place behind closed doors but it's going to be very hard on homecomings because that's certainly what we saw and they now have very detailed evidence to show that some of the spread of COVID-19 was because of club championships and celebrations that took place. Not Nothing to do with the match itself or at the match itself but it's what happened afterwards and the celebrations that took place afterwards and because For the last number of months, we've been getting very detailed breakdowns from local electoral areas as to where the new COVID cases are and where the cases are spreading to. They can actually pinpoint that a particular area saw a spike in COVID cases and they can look back and say, well, it happened during that particular week, what happened on that particular week. Well a local club won a big championship game and people went out and celebrated. So the evidence is there that there was a spread of COVID-19 because of celebrations following a match. So... What's going to happen after the All-Ireland hurling and football finals? Only time will tell, but the Minister is really putting the appeal out to the GAA to make sure that there won't be any exuberant celebrations. 18.50, 333, 103, we need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday. We will be looking back at the last 14 days on the spread of COVID cases for Cork going through the local electoral areas. John Paul will join us in a studio to take a look at that. And of course, it, it is also... Monday, which means Annalise Drassad, our nutritional therapist, will join us if you've got a question for Annalise. Get that into us please. 1850 333 103 You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103
1: Court today on C103
5: With McCroom Motors Leading the way for Toyota Hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota. See macrooemotors.com Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits
1: for your workday on C103.
10: Hey this is Nick just to let you know Santa's coming to Cork. Santa Christmas calls are back on C103. Would your little one like to get a call back from the big man himself? Just head over to c103.ie forward slash Santa. Fill out the form and your kids could be getting a call back from Santa.
1: Nick Richards on C103.
5: Weekdays from one with Cork County Council. Discover the sparkle on your Doorstep by celebrating a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: And we're also doing our best between now and right up to Christmas Eve. Any good news story that. That we hear about or that you want to share with us, let us know because we want to share as much positivity as we can. And we've come across a lovely story of a shop going above and beyond to help out a very special little girl. And Emma O'Connell from Yall joins me to fill us in on this. And it's a story about a Tesco, the local Tesco store in Yall. Uh, good afternoon to you, Emma. Hi, you? you're welcome to the program. Now, this Thank is you. this before we get into what happened yesterday and how great <laughs> Tesco and you all were. This is to do with your little girl Izzy, who's twelve. Yeah. Tell me about Izzy. She had a brain tumour removed a number of years ago.
11: Yeah, in 2014, she was diagnosed with a, 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 a quite a, a severe brain tumour, um, and we ended up in Temple Street for for between Temple Street and Crumlin for the bones and before we got home again. And um, she's disease-free since 2018, May 2018. Brilliant. um, So she was just six? She was 13 days off her sixth birthday. She celebrated her sixth birthday in the boardroom in Temple Street.
3: Wow, that that was a tough time in your lives.
11: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it was, yeah. Looking back, we don't know how we did it.
3: But you but, but you do, says so you you get through it somehow. Exactly. So exactly. that's all behind you. And how is Izzy today?
11: Um well like she's disease free, which is great. Um unfortunately has been left with huge um side effects and benefits from the treatment. Um we kind of uh, because the, the tumour was so um aggressive, we had to throw everything on the kitchen sink at us to get it gone, and unfortunately, you pay a price for that, so we've just i graced you to Marie, but we, her health would be very very um you know it it got hurt along the way, so yeah, yeah. is she in yeah. school unfortunately not um no. she had surgery in twenty or kind of late twenty nineteen to have a Hickman line put in for blood because her veins were were so bad. And she didn't really recover from that, so she missed most of sixth class. And then, of course, COVID happened in um, March. And then in September, when we she was due to start first year, she had her first, like, morning. You know, they bring the first years in for kind of like two hours. But um, she had that morning and then developed um, a really bad infection in that line um, and had to have emergency surgery to have it removed because the infection was so severe. Ended up in the Mercy, our local, for two weeks, and we came home for a couple of days, and then she developed pneumonia. So um, she hasn't; she's had two days in school.
3: God, she's in, having she's in. having a bit of a tough time at the moment.
11: Yeah, and yeah, it's hard. It's it's been hard. Yeah, and of course, like not being around your friends and everything. Now, COVID has ha you know that happened for everybody, but. Um, I suppose we were in lockdown before it was a thing, you know. So um, would she be yeah.
3: would she be immune compromised when it comes to COVID?
11: No, no. Um, she's not immunocompromised, okay. but unfortunately, like you have to be well to take her type of meds. So if she has a temperature over thirty eight point five, the meds stop. So, you know, th- those things are serious. Then you know, so it, it that even though she's not immunocompromised, she's still at risk because. Those meds would stop, and plus her health is is so poor, you know, that she actually wouldn't have the stamina to fight something like that. So you right.
3: have you have to keep COVID from your doors, what you say? We have to, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
11: Unfortunately, like we're very str- Like obviously, school had taken massive precautions, like and and have, you know, great um strategies in place and everything. And we weren't. I was afraid, but obviously, you know, her social side has to be, you know, she has to see her friends and stuff like that, but then um, with all the, the stuff that happened in September, she is quite weak, so yeah. yeah,
3: and when you're 12, your friends are important to you.
11: Yeah, and like, realistically, it's been you know, since October, it was mid-term October 2019 that she's actually been around her friends and stuff, so yeah. It's oh, that's hard. tough,
3: that is that is. Is, and and is, that is she's tough going,
11: Which like, <laughs>
3: yeah, is Yeah, yeah. And is she very girly
11: girly? Uh, no, no <laughs> <laughs> no she's she's two older brothers, so oh, she big, yeah,
3: she's a bit of a tomboy, then,
11: yeah, totally, but then loves her little bit of pink and stuff, but yeah, what yeah, little girl not, doesn't not girl, exactly okay,
3: so you yeah. ne- she she loves Tesco,
11: yeah, um, I used to work in Tesco's years ago, um, and had to give up um to to mind dizzy full time um. And Tesla Tesco's would have been a huge part of her life, you know, in and out and um, even afterwards. They've always been very good to her and uh, have a great support and stuff. And then um, she hasn't been in there since before that surgery uh, last year or so. And then, oh, of course, COVID hit and whatever. So there was no hope. So I just was in there one morning because they the 9 to 11, the hours for the vulnerable and the the kind of elderly people that would be at risk and stuff. So I met the store manager, I just bumped into him in the, in the store, Derek, and I just said, look, what are the chances of coming in here when there is no one here? You know, even those vulnerable hours, I would still be afraid for Izzy. And he was just like, why didn't you ask me sooner? This could have happened like 20 times over and I was like, well, I just didn't think about him. We weren't in a position is he wasn't well enough but now, you know, her, her mental health is she needs to get out a little bit, you know, and do a little bit of the normal things like, and um, you know, Friday evenings would have been a big deal in our house. She would have popped into Tesco's after school and would have got a few bits, you know, for a movie night or whatever and all that stuff. you know, all that bit of independence for her. So um, we went in as ten past eight yesterday morning because they they don't open till nine on a Sunday. Yeah. So um, we got up and off we trundled and she just was hilarious. Like it was like she was treating it as a a trolley dash. She was running like literally running through the aisles going yes I'll have that one of them and one of them and one of them. So um, she hadn't been out in so long and everything's like in a little stack now underneath her Christmas tree. She Bless had Christmas her, in her bedroom. Yeah, and had so. she had her own money saved up, had she? She did, she, she did, yeah. Because so, she hasn't been able to spend it, like, to go out. But she had, um, we have a little basketball, um, we're a big basketball family. She has a little basketball money saver and that was full. So that got emptied on Saturday evening. I only told her Saturday evening because in our house you can Plan per se, you can't like because disappointment happens over and over again. That you know we wouldn't get to do it or whatever. So I only told her Saturday even and, and so the excitement was unreal. She so.
3: probably barely slept.
11: <laughs> she <laughs> panic mode like. It's and why, what did she buy? She bought Pringles, <laughs> uh, oh. a few sweets, lots of Christmas decorations because she has a new tree in her in her bedroom, and she bought herself a watermelon to uh, balance out. The <laughs> ah,
3: bless. <laughs> then, bless. Yeah,
11: got some pyjamas and stuff like that. So we stayed away from um, the toy aisle. Even though it's not open, you know, she could have uh, had the choice, but she's enough stuff coming there from Santa. So, she,
3: she, yeah. can wait, she can wait for that. So, exactly. so well done to Derek and the rest yeah, of the gang at Tesco and you all.
9: Uh,
11: yeah. <clears throat> and a few of the girls popped over to say hi and Jersey was delighted and just to have the bit of and even talk to someone else now at this stage, you know, <laughs> those things are, are huge and to be able to walk around and get her own shopping then
3: Yeah, rather than like, rather than mummy having to go to get us
11: Exactly yeah. get someone else and then yeah. her giving you a list or whatever she was actually able to do it herself and um, yeah those things are huge for someone like Izzy, like you know it, it's um, and I haven't been able to go shopping with her either, she would have always gone shopping and we kind of used it as a, like a before all this happened, like, uh, like a physio session, you know, um, she's lost a lot of, she has very minimal movement in her left arm. So those were the times you'd actually get her to like grasp onto the trolley and push the trolley round. You may only get five minutes, but it was five minutes you wouldn't get, but it would be therapy, but in a normal functional setting of her normal life rather than, oh God, we have to do therapy, you know? So it was much more than just going shopping, in and it's house,
3: it's a know? mother and daughter bonding time as well. Yeah,
11: sure. Like, yeah. every little girl likes to go shopping with their mom. Yeah,
3: yeah. We take we all take that so much for granted until it's, t- until, until it's until it's taken can. away.
11: Okay, yeah. so she and spent and the day in bed yesterday. Then afterwards, like everything Izzy he does, it you know it, it takes from. She doesn't have the energy to like. She literally came home, had her breakfast, a second breakfast because she was so hungry after it. And stayed in bed all day. She was exhausted. You
3: know? Yeah, exhausted,
11: exhausted. But very happy exhausted. Yeah. Like Derek didn't have to, you know, when I said it to him, I wasn't expecting her. Sure when he said, yeah, of course, I was like blown away. I just thought it would, you know, times are so different that things sometimes can't happen now that are nice, you know, and, and but no, he went out of his way and happy out and,
3: Well done, Derek. Well done. We all
11: know sure those little things are huge for
3: us. Yeah. What's Tesco? Every every little helps. Every little helps, and it does. Uh, It does. does, It really does. It's lovely. It's 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 a lovely story, and she's she'll.
11: There's
3: no nothing hospital wise before Christmas or.
11: Yeah, we have a big MRI coming up now. So, is he still MRI'd every three months? She'd be quite high risk for recurrence. So, um, yeah hospital's never far from from our door kind of thing but um, she's had a good run of October and November so fingers crossed that, Please is God. that
3: did she watch the here. toy show on Friday night oh
11: sure listen sure yeah she absolutely is. it wasn't a big thing in our house um, it's only in the last three or four years that it's become a, a thing that we would all sit down and watch it but she was sure she'd be singing along and mesmerised by it and of course there was a, another child on from y'all as well like so you know
3: the Is that, that is that a little Adam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would yeah. you, did you uh, know Adam?
11: Oh, I know, I know his parents, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. he was he was yeah. the star of the show oh, for sure. <laughs> he was, he really was,
11: for, and of for
3: course, them, the yeah. charity, it's the it's all of the children's charity in Temple Street and, and Crumlin, they're yeah. all they'll all benefit, uh, they from read, it, of course,
11: and, and yeah, and like that's just sure. I every time he announced the. Uh, the amount that had been raised, I'd cry again. You know what I mean? it just is, It's just a wave of, sure, no one, like, what country would do it? Like, do you know, We're I mean? on
10: We're we've on
11: always had huge support in y'all. It's been the same here with us when he when was first diagnosed. Like, the support was phenomenal. But when you see it on that scale, and it's just, in, in what, two hours, 6.2 million, like, it's just. It's crazy. We like
3: it. I, I I mean, can, can be very proud of our country. We, oh at moments pride, like that.
11: yeah. phenomenal like it, you know, like beaming on, on Friday night and I cried and laughed and then little Sorsha as well. Like and the loss of her limb just to fight cancer was just like these kids really do. Go through know. it. Yeah, they really do go through it. They
3: like, really do. Yeah. But they've got powerful mammies and daddies and oh, brothers sure. and sisters behind them exactly. and you're certainly one of them. How are you doing, Emma?
11: Here and grand it, oh, yeah. is, it is what it is, you know you just we're lucky to have her here, and some days that's that's enough. Yeah. You know, so, and then other days you want more and whatever, but some
3: days it's, it's enough yeah. okay well listen you yeah. stay you stay safe and uh, thank you a virtual hug, Daisy and
11: thank you very uh, much. and just remind
3: yourself and thank you for sharing your story with us. No bother thank God you, bless uh, uh, bye bye Emma O'Connell from uh, you and once again, well done to Derek, the manager. I don't do, I should have asked for a surname on Derek I didn't get it, but well done to Derek, the manager of Tesco in yall for opening up the shop yesterday morning for first. certainly he has made Christmas of 2020 for uh, Izzy it was uh a small thing to do but a very kind thing to do and we wish Izzy all the very best and particularly good health that's what we wish for more than anything 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With
1: Cork
5: County Council Celebrate a real Cork Christmas Find out more at corkcoco.ie.
3: St Vincent de Paul are experiencing high demand for their services this year and they're appealing to the general public to support their online fundraising and also local collections. Their annual card draw is taking place. Tickets are priced at €5 each and are being distributed to households. Please return the ticket stubs and return and the money to their office on Tucky Street R. You can purchase the €5 tickets online at the St Vincent de Paul website. CORA Trashing Committee are fundraising for a breakthrough cancer research in Cork and tickets are now on sale for their 10k cash giveaway. It's available from all committee members or call 086 803 5317. The draw will take place this Saturday, the 5th of December. And Mitchellstown Line Stop they're appealing for donations through their GoFundMe Christmas food appeal are you can drop a donation in their collection bucket in Mitchellstown Credit Union. All monies raised will be used to distribute food vouchers to families in need in the Mitchellstown area.
1: Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way
5: for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com.
3: And just to follow on to the good news story from Emma and what happened in Tesco in Yall, Breatha in Mallow says, Patricia, I, I had a lovely act of kindness done to me today. I was struggling along the park road in Mallow bags, hanging off me with all of the shopping when Leon stopped her car and offered me a spin home. Now, I noticed that Leon had to park up her car on the other side of the road, run across to get me help me with the bags I so appreciate it if you call out a big thank you to Leon who is my hairdresser at Bell Hair in Mallow can't wait to see her back in the shop says Brita in Mallow thanks for that Breatha. and there's a lot of people looking forward to the hairdressers reopening uh, tomorrow uh, John Paul is in studio good afternoon John Paul good afternoon you normally do this on Friday but you were off last week was off. so you are in with us actually you did a nice week off I did yeah you can't nice do much but uh, yeah. yeah nice week off yeah. Na- nice to relax They to get a okay.
10: haircut now tomorrow rid of okay. all the curls yeah <laughs> Yeah,
3: yeah, your hair gets very curly. Very curly, like, doesn't it? Yeah.
10: yeah. Yeah, it comes right down well, to the
3: hair. Well, you were ice. a child with lo- loads of
10: curls. Loads of curls when I was younger. And then it kind of got straight. And then when you're in your teens, you kind of cut it up short. You don't want curls. You don't want curls. And then when you get older, you don't really care. That, well, not that you don't care, but you're, you're not as pedantic about your hair. And if I leave it grown as we all have I can with see the lockdown, the curly. mad for the curls. Yeah. 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 See? Yeah. <laughs> you did a hair straightener nearly. I'm like your man on. I'm a celebrity with the curls at this stitch.
3: <laughs> okay. the hair straightener work? Uh, no, your is too short. Oh. Don't go near it the hair straightener. Okay. Now you're going to take. Take a look at the local electoral areas, and this is for the two weeks up to the 23rd of November. So we're, we're back a week; it would have been back to last week. But anyway, yep. it's just to give us a rough idea of how we're doing in Cork City and County.
10: So we we'll start in Bantry, and here we're taking in Dromilly, Bear, and the Mizen and Beara peninsulas. And last week there was five cases; uh, they have gone to less than five. So good news from the Bantry and area. And just
3: to remind people, because it's been ages since we've been calling out areas less than five, less than five is zero to yeah, 5. 0 to 5 so it, could, five. Actually so it could actually be 0 there
10: yeah, okay. in the Bantry area to Skibbereen, and uh, here we're taking into Manway, Ross Carberry, the Skibbereen area, Banline and Guilty areas. Uh, 17 here last week they are now down to 10 confirmed cases and to the Bandon Kinsale area where we're in parts of Crossberry, Inish Shannon, Special, parts of Newstestown included here as of course is Balgooli. Uh, there was 11 cases last week in the Bandon Kinsale area down to 10 10 cases this week and to Carrigaline, uh, which last week had 60 cases you're taking in Myrtleville Ballygarvan Ringaskiddy areas here also Crosshaven uh, they're down to 43 so still one of the highest or uh, higher areas in the county but there were 60 last week down to 43 this week in the Carrigaline area into the city and the Cork City South West Ward, uh, where there was 65 here last week. This is Ballancolic, Wilton, Correheen areas of the city. Uh, they have 92 confirmed cases, so, so this up. has increased. Yeah, and This yeah. area has always been high uh, mm. over the last number of months we're doing this, so uh, an increase here. And to Cork City South Central, where are looking at the Kinsale Road area, Turner's Cross area of the city, 42 last week. That has gone up as well, increased to 77 confirmed cases and then to the southeast of the city Uh, Looking here towards Rochestown, Mahan and Douglas. Last week, 35 cases. This week, that has gone down to 26 confirmed cases in that area. And then over the river to the northeast of the city. And we're looking here towards Tivoli, Montanati, Mayfield and Glenmire. 41 cases here last week and they now have 38 confirmed cases. And then to the northwest where you're looking at Sunday as well. Blarney, Nochnahini areas of the city. Uh, There was 40 uh, cases here last week. They have reduced to 17 uh, confirmed cases in the north. So a big drop there in that part of the city. And then to the county again, and we're in the Macroom local area, where you're looking at Ballangiri, Inchigila, Kilmurray, Crookstown, Arhala, Cladove and Mill Street Town itself. 26 confirmed cases last week. That has increased by 1 to 27 confirmed cases. And to Canturk, where you're taking in the town of Charnival, also Market, Belly Desmond, Kishkame, Cullen and the Kilcorny areas. 24 cases here last week, that has reduced to 17 confirmed cases. And then to Mallow, and again Mallow, a broad area here looking towards a new two-pot house. Bween, Drumahan, Glantan, Carl and the Granagh areas. Uh, 29 cases here uh, last week. That has reduced to 20 cases. And to Formoy, another large area going from Connaught to Kilworth, Killworth, uh, Mitchelstown, uh, Donnerill, Shambanymore, and to Castle Lyons, 18 uh, cases last week. That has uh, now reduced to 17, down 1 to 17 uh, for this week. And then to Cove, uh, where last week there was 18 cases. Now, Cove is a big area. Also going from carragh Navarre, you're going over to Carrigtool, including Nograha and Watergrass Hill here for the Cove area. Uh, that has reduced to 13 confirmed cases this week. And then to the Middleton area, uh, taking in Ballycotton, Ladiesbridge, Yole, Dungourney and the rest of East Cork. And last week they had thirty confirmed cases. This week it is down to twenty-seven confirmed cases. Okay, so cases. a
3: lot of the areas, few of them went up, but a lot, lot of the areas down. Most and of course, down, a really, few up. Really, really good news. Yesterday was only seven cases. Seven for the entire in Cork total session. for Cork, so that's very And good. that's the lowest daily yeah. count we've had in quite some time. Okay, we'll do it all again next Friday. Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, John Paul, of course, taking your calls for Annalise. If you have a question for Annalise, quickly to look at some of your. Uh, texts coming into the programme when I mentioned that there Stephen Donnelly was talking about there had been an increase in Covid cases where celebrations had taken place after club championship matches in September and it was a contributory factor in the spread of Covid-19 John says, Patricia, uh, it's not that GAA will be the problem when Minister Donnelly was asking that there be no celebrations following All-Ireland hurling and football championships when the All-Ireland takes place but he doesn't want exuberant GAA celebrations. John says, nothing to do with the GAA here. It's the pubs and the celebrations that happens in the pubs. It's easy to book the local pub, get the boys in and drink all night. I saw it in the last lockdown. The publican didn't mind as long as the till kept ringing. All publicans are starved for money, says John. But I'm assuming with all the wet pubs closed, will they find it difficult to book a pub in order to have the celebrations, John? And then there was reaction to my interview with Frank Roach, Councillor Frank Roach, who was talking about that homeless man in the North Cork area and he's desperately trying to tell. He's a man who's working and he's living in a caravan with the front door has blown off it, putting a bit of plywood up against it at night and the man is desperate to get accommodation. John says, regarding that man sleeping rough the government gave 1.5 million euro to feed animals in the zoo last week. This is to make sure that the better off in society have some place to go when all this is over. God knows you would want to be well off to visit some of these places because the prices they charge is a disgrace. You need a credit union loan to go on a family day out to the zoo it's all about looking after the rich nobody cares about the less well off well done by the way on the Late Late Show on Friday night and all the money that they raised that will go to the less well off Um, they can shame on the government they can have their Dublin Zoo something is badly wrong says uh, John that money could be used for somebody like that man that Frank is talking about Hi Patricia says Eileen thank you for your interview with Councillor Frank Roachery homeless man. I could supply warm clothes and shoes, both men's and ladies. Now they're not brand new, but they're clean and in good condition. All I would need is a place to drop them off. Can you please say well done to Frank for highlighting the uh, issue? And someone else says, hi, Patricia, I was listening to Councillor Frank Roach on your programme earlier about that, ma'am. What he says is so true. There are a lot of people who are living on the breadline and then you have the Minister for Health giving money for a shelter for the Covid testing centre in Cork. What about the testing centre they have at St Stephen's Hospital in Glanmire? It was only used for a few weeks and it's just sitting there costing money what a waste of resources. The money they're paying for those porter cabins could help a lot of people that need uh, help, kind uh, regards All right, that's just some of the reaction to my interview with Frank and Frank will keep us updated on how that gentleman is uh, doing. And hi Patricia, talking about pubs when I mentioned that we could lose a lot of our smaller, particularly the rural pubs. This sister says in the UK, they have now discovered that people who live in the countryside actually travel into the city to go for a drink just to have some company and some chat. Why? Because the rural pubs have all closed. Could that be on the cards for here? And then we had some people reacting to what happened in Charleville with Margaret O'Callaghan and the mural for Suicide Awareness and somebody went did graffiti, horrible horrible graffiti and spray painted over it. It really is uh, shocking. Jim says, Patricia, hopefully karma comes back to bite. that what I would only describe as a scumbag, that guy that vandalised the mural. Karma was in action yesterday in Croke Park when Limerick player Alan Gillan gave the Galway man a belt in the back with his hurley and Alan ended up going on with a back injury himself and actually spent the night in hospital as did Joe Canning with concussion and he also got a belt on his back from a Limerick player hopefully both players could will be okay God this sounds like that was a rough enough uh, match and a number of people wanting to wish Margaret well and very upset in what happened to her we have a do-hollow listener who's complaining about the GAA draw remember we spoke about this last Friday on the programme the New rebel Bounties and that what it is called where players where clubs have to sell a certain amount of tickets. 100 euro a ticket and then once they sell the senior clubs sell 100 tickets the intermediate sell 70 junior sell 50 then any tickets over that they can keep the money but of course a number of clubs are saying it's going to be very hard to sell those tickets and if they don't sell them all they have to pay the balance to the county board and that's leaving a lot of people very annoyed a Duhallo caller says are the county board having a laugh we're a small club in Duhallo we've got loans to pay back and, and we're trying to keep our lotto going and then they want to fine us if we don't sell the tickets. Uh, I wonder would any of the uh, of the management at the GAA come to a club meeting and explain this to us please. Would it happen in any other county? And that signed A do hollow caller. Number of questions coming in for Annelise. Thank you for that. And on the green program when we were talking about the biasad to save some of our green areas, Sandy says. On the Green Programme and Carbon, new research published a few weeks back has revealed that what is termed managed forestry, i.e. trees gone for commercial use, have far less carbon value than was expected. In Ireland, for example, forestry carbon, the value figure was approximately 5 million tonnes. Now it's estimated to be as low as just a quarter of a million ton, And it's due to the fact that we cut thin out etc. at a given time Uh, and then the sapling has to be replanted and far less carbon is stored. I didn't realise that's according to uh, Sandy so we need to look at the way we're doing forestry. When I was talking about posting and Delays on posting. Somebody says, Tricia, I sent a parcel to Australia on the sixteenth of November. When I checked the tracking, it had left Dublin on the nineteenth. No other information yet. Oh, let us know when that parcel arrives, because I sent one to Australia, but it was last Wednesday. So I'll let you know when mine when mine arrives as well. Okay, keep your questions coming for Annalise Giselle please our nutritional therapist 1850 333103 text or whatsapp 0862 103103
1: 103. Court today on C103 with McCroom
5: Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see macroomotors.com C103 has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask
1: save time and money by only having to do your eye makeup.
5: Forgot to shave? No problem. You're covered.
1: It's easier to avoid an ex because they probably won't recognize you.
5: However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital. To help stop the spread of coronavirus.
1: Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze,
3: We're masking for a friend. Thank you from C103. Lots of questions in for Annalise Driscilla, nutritional therapist from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholy. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And let's get straight in with questions. Uh, morning, Patricia. When you're talking to Annalise, could you ask her, please? What shampoo would she recommend for dry scalp? I've been using simple shampoo for a couple of weeks. I've also used a Xanax shampoo for sensitive skin for months. What would Annalise recommend for very dry scalp?
12: Okay, so I suppose there'd be another question I'd ask there, Patricia, is the skin dry as well, because then it's an overall lack of moisture within the skin that's causing the problem, in which case I think taking a fish oil or some other type of good fat, um, you know, like even a spoon of flaxseed oil every day would be very good to moisturize the skin from within. But if it's dry scalp skin, just it's often because people are allergic to the sodium lauryl sulfate that they put into shampoos. And that's in most shampoos because it's a good foaming agent. Even if there's no perfumes in the shampoo, there's probably still sodium lauryl sulfate. So go for a natural one without that. Um, There's a very good one that I recommend in the shop here by Salcura, S-A-L-C-U-R-A, and it's called Omega Rich Shampoo. It's very good for dry, itchy scalp. And if that doesn't work, then it might be maybe a little bit fungal, like a kind of a type of dandruff that's causing the itch on the scalp and the dry the dry skin, in which case the grapefruit seed extract is very good. So you buy this in a little bottle. The company that make it are called Higher Nature, and it's called Citricidal, C-I-T-R-I-C-I-D-A-L. And it's the extract of the seeds of grapefruit, and it's in a kind of a, a type of drops. So what you would do is you'd add those drops into your shampoo, the, the one without the sodium lauryl sulfate, and massage it into your scalp. Let it sit on your scalp for a few minutes while you're washing the rest of yourself in the shower and then rinse it off. And that's very good for dandruff or fungal.
3: Okay. Hi, question for Annalise, please. For the last few days, I've been suffering from an itchy feeling all over my body. I've taken a number of prescribed medications. What would Anneliese suggest?
12: So this is always such a difficult one to get a hold of, Patricia. So, the first thing I ask is that have, has somebody's medication been changed recently? Because often that itching feeling, especially if it is a comp- if it doesn't have a rash with it, is down to medication. It's a side effect of a medication, and sometimes it mightn't be that your medication has changed, but you've been changed over to a generic version of the branded medication. Um, and there's something in it that is not agreeing with you. So that's the first thing to ask. Um, I think it's quite common with certain blood pressure tablets that you get that itching feeling. And if that's not it, maybe it's an allergic reaction to something, in which case antihistamines would be the answer. Now, the listener said they tried a couple of prescribed medications, so I don't know if that was antihistamines prescribed or if it's other medication um, but if it hasn't been tried try an antihistamine and if that's not working then maybe it's a type of um, reaction to something topical like a cream you're using or a washing powder so take a look at those things
3: It's mm, to try and rule it out it's, it's really tricky uh, Hi uh, Patricia question please for annelise could you ask annelise what does she know about the benefits of date juice?
12: So date juice would often be used as a natural sweetener Patricia in, um, in instead of sugar Now, the big thing with sugar is that it's so refined that all you're getting from sugar is calories. There's literally zero vitamins and minerals in sugar unless you're using the unrefined, very dark sugar, in which case you get all the sweetness of sugar, but at least there's vitamins and minerals with it. Now, with dates, it's a type of natural sugar that comes from dates. It doesn't rise the blood sugar as quickly as sugar Table sugar does, but actually, Patricia, too much of it in the long term is not good either, and it can be linked. All those fructose type of fruit sugars are associated with fatty liver. So, um, as a sweetener, it's very nice to use. You could use it instead of honey on your porridge. I don't see any benefits of it over honey. I think actually, a local raw honey has far more health benefits than date syrup. Um, but other than that, there wouldn't be, you know, other health benefits aside from that. It would be very good, maybe as a source of. Certain vitamins and minerals.
3: Okay, a couple of people have problems with their eyes. I get break out of redness and itchiness over and under one eye. What would Annalise recommend that you put around the eye area? And Christine in Cork says I have slightly puffy eyes and yellow patches above the eyes. What would you recommend? I don't wear makeup, says Christine.
12: Okay, so the first one there is actually a very common thing at the moment, Patricia, and it's down to wearing masks, I think, for a lot of people. So what I'm recommending is the Dr. De- Dealish Clare Healing Cream. It's brilliant for um, any kind of irritated, dry, itchy, sore skin, and it's very safe to put on the eye. Um, She also actually does an anti-itch cream, which is very good if it's it's itchy. So either the Dr. Deelish-Claire healing cream or the anti-itch cream. And if you can't get that locally, um, you could try something like the Salcura Zeoderm is another one that's a very good one for preventing itch. Um, The puffy eyes is a different thing, Patricia. That's generally kind of from fluid retention. So maybe taking... Um, A tea that would be good for fluid retention, like dandelion and burdock is very good. Um, Potassium is very good as well for water retention and magnesium. So you could get a supplement in the health shop that would help with fluid retention. That's what you're looking for. And then the yellow patches above the eyes is an interesting one. I don't know if that is the skin is quite yellow over the eye. That would be a very liver sign. Um, And often liver and water retention and kidneys, all those kind of go together. So um, the other thing as well, sometimes people do develop kind of yellow deposits in the eye, which is linked to high cholesterol. So I'm not sure in this case which one it is but if you think it could be high cholesterol get that checked by the doctor and if it is yellow patches above the eye take a liver tonic again that dandelion and burdock will do the job beautifully there.
3: Okay hi what would Annalise recommend to help somebody's mood they're feeling very down at the moment following a bereavement and the strange times in which
10: we live?
12: There's lots of things, Patricia, um, at the moment. You know, lots of people coming in for those remedies at the moment. Actually, very few people are coming in for cough and cold. So that's really what is bothering most people. Um, And certainly at this time to have lost someone, not being able to grieve properly with family and friends is very, very difficult. So I think a few things could possibly help. Um, I love the Terranova Enhanced Rhodiola Complex. uh, Sorry, the Viridian enhanced rhodiola complex there's a couple of different herbs that are in there that are very good for supporting your system when you've been through a stressful period which is what bereavement is it's, it's a lot of stress and sadness so that you'll get in any health store it's called again enhanced rhodiola complex and then i love the cannabis oil at the moment um for that feeling of overwhelming sadness or stress because it kicks in very quickly So the Canabi Gold is a brilliant one. I get such good feedback on it all the time. And it's the 10% that seems to work well for mood and for anxiety and for stress. And you just put a pump of that under the tongue. And within 10 minutes, that awful sort of sticky, jittery feeling in your stomach will have leveled off a bit. So it's very good for grief or for stress.
3: Okay, hi uh, there. My son keeps getting sick. When I say getting sick, it's like empty reaching. What would be the cause of it? It can happen a couple of times a week.
12: That's a very unusual and uh, Patricia, to think to think. I mean, sometimes having too much acid in the som- stomach could um, cause that kind of sick feeling and that need to empty reach. Um, it could be also... I wonder, has he taken medication recently for an injury? I find that the ibuprofen is really bad for the stomach and it can really irritate the stomach lining, which would be responsible for that kind of feeling of nausea and empty reaching. Um in in that case, there is a lovely herb that's very good just to kind of rebalance the stomach. It's called Centaurium, C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I-U-M. And I know that the Avogel brand, they do um, a tincture of Centaurium. Dr. Deelish-Claire does a lovely digestive one as well that's very healing for um, stomach upsets, and that's called Digestone, D-I-G-E-S-T-O-N-E. So try either of those and... um. um if that doesn't do the job then possibly take a look and see. It might be worth going to the doctor with it because there is a bacteria that can live in the stomach that can cause all of that as well called Helicobacter pylori and your doctor will be able to test for that.
3: Okay, somebody with arthritis has been recommended that, they t- and this is what they take, a spoon of vinegar mixed with a spoon of honey every morning and a spoon of molasses all mixed with water. Would Annalise agree?
12: You know what people use a combination of Vinegar, honey, turmeric, ginger, all sorts of things, with the apple cider vinegar being um, a big part of it. And I hear all sorts of brilliant feedback. So I'd say if you're taking it and you feel it's helping you, fantastic, keep going with it. Um, But for people who do suffer from burning stomach or acid reflux, it's not good to take vinegar. Even besides the other health benefits that you might experience, it it will irritate and inflame your stomach lining. So I think um, just... If you're taking it and it's working well, fantastic. It's certainly good for your gut and anything good for your gut is good for your immune system, which is brilliant for preventing inflammation.
3: Okay, what would you su- suggest for persistent constipation? A listener wants to know.
12: Yeah, so again, this is a, there's so many reasons that somebody could be suffering from constipation, Patricia. It could be lack of fibre in the diet, could be lack of movement, um, you know, that you're not moving your body enough or it could be um, lack of water from dehydration. Um, if it's none of those things, it could be after medication or could be down to medication use as well. Um, so if it's after, if it's happened after medication and it's just a recent thing, taking a good probiotic can help. And the BioCult is very good to repopulate the gut. But also Optibac do a lovely one, um, which is a Bifidobacterium one. It's in a green packet and there's some fiber in that that's very good for constipation as well. If it's none of those things, it's probably a food intolerance. So most people think that IBS is running to the loo all the time, but I actually see a lot more constipation with IBS than diarrhea. So take a look at the foods you're eating in your diet. And then always, I think is a good rule of thumb, is just putting gentle fibre in like psyllium husk. You will buy it in any health shop. You could put it onto your porridge in the morning, a big tablespoon. Make sure you're drinking plenty of water. And then there is a fairly gentle laxative, by a company called Allopura and it's just an aloe vera complex and there's and that, a couple of different things in that that would work well. That will it. help as well.
3: Okay, we'll leave it there least Have a great week. Thanks Patricia. And uh, we'll talk again next Monday. That's Annalise Trissell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. That's where we we'll for today. Thanks to John Paul. Uh, we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. i Patricia Messinger. Very good afternoon. Court
1: today on C103. With
5: McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See macrooemotors.com.